If you've got your Bibles, how about you turn to Matthew 8, verse 1. Matthew 8, verse 1. And it says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean, and immediately he was cleansed of leprosy. Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And I'll read it also from uh, Mark 1, verse 40. A man who had leprosy came to Jesus. The man bowed down on his knees and begged him, You have the power to heal me if you want. These last words made Jesus angry. The NIV actually says indignant, that Jesus became indignant. uh, And other translations say that he was moved in compassion. But he looked at him and said, I want to heal you, be healed. Immediately the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Jesus told the man to go. But he gave him a strong warning, don't tell anyone about what I did for you, but go and let the priest look at you and offer the gift to God because you have been healed. Offer the gift that Moses commanded. This will show to everyone that you have been healed. The man left there and went and told everyone he saw that Jesus had healed him. So the good news about Jesus spread and that is why he could not enter a town if people saw him. He stayed in places where people did not live, but people came from all the towns to the places where he was. Good to see the leper could follow instructions, wasn't it? He must have misheard it. I'll pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. Thank you that you care about us, and this is our life manual, and we can use it and uh, I just pray as we're uh, speaking and listening today that you'll teach us, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. Have you ever had anyone jump a queue, a waiting queue? What's this got to do with leprosy? Nothing at all. It, anyone here ever had a, a queue jumper in their in their midst uh, or in their line? I think all of us have probably had it done. Uh, when I was little, I used to go to the movies, and probably a lot of us would remember, but the, the movies would play half the movie, and then suddenly the lights would come on. Generally, at the most exciting part of the movie, the lights would come on, the movie would stop, uh, the, movie, uh, the music would change, and suddenly intermission would come up on the screen. How many remember that? Uh, which meant it was time to go and get a ice cream, or a drink, or popcorn, or Jaffers, because you needed Jaffers to be able to roll from the back of the theatre to the front, uh, you know, and do all those crazy things. But one of the things that often happened, I don't know if you saw it, but I certainly saw it many times, is it was full of queue jumpers. You would have queues waiting to get to the counter 
to try and get their food to sustain them for life. And, and lots of little, generally little people who could kind of sneak past elbows and around and weave their way through, and that would be slowly pushing their way through the crowd to get to the queue first. Well, I'm not talking about that today. You know, when, uh, when I was uh, younger, I, I told you that I used to do canoeing. And there was one competition that we were doing slalom up north in, in Tauranga. And uh, on the way canoeing would work was you would spend Saturday doing your individual racing. And then on Sundays you would do a team event. So three of you would paddle together. And the time would start when the first paddler went through the first gate. And, the la- and it would stop when the last paddler went through the last gate. And so just the way numbers worked out, I ended up paddling with, um, I was much younger and the people I canoed with were generally a number of years older and much, much better. And I ended up being in a team with uh, two very, very uh, good kayakers. Um, I think both of them had been to the Commonwealth and had gold medals from the Commonwealth. And I think they thought, let's be in a team with Dino and we'll really push him hard, and we'll, um, and we'll really encourage him. So they found it a breeze, and here I was a lot, lot younger and doing my best to push hard, and they're like, paddle, 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 paddle. You know, so they're going, they're going through, and they've got time to burn because they're waiting for me. And I got to this gate down the bottom of this course, and, and we had gone kind of down some falls, uh, not big falls, just kind of little rapids, and into an eddy, and I don't know if you know Slalom, but there, um, there's poles that hang up, and, and you had to actually go into an eddy, which is where it's like a quiet kind of pool, and it actually makes the current uh, next to the water actually travel upstream back up, and you, and you can pull in and get some speed off that and go back out into the river. And I remember because it was the water had dropped levels, there was a big wave. And so as I was trying to cut out, there was this big wave washing over. And because I was smaller, I couldn't lean back as I hit it. And just the way they had, they often put these gates in really tricky areas to make it intentionally hard because that sorts out the people who are more skilled and less skilled. And and I, because I wasn't really old, I think I was about 15 at that stage, didn't have the height to lean back and lift my nose when I was trying to get into this rapid. My boat kept digging under the wave, and I couldn't, and I had to kind of back off and try again. Well, in the end, I just couldn't do it, so I just had to go, and I got penalised uh, 50 seconds just to show there's no hard feelings, which is a huge pe- Huge penalty on a course. Um, you know, it didn't matter how hard I, I tried, I couldn't push through that wave. And I couldn't lift myself up enough to push o- get over it and around, so I just had to live with the fact that I had a penalty as a result and didn't do very well. Today we start a series, and it's called Breaking Glass Ceilings. Breaking Glass Ceilings. It's a four-week series, so I'm, I'm going first, and, and there'll be Anna and Mallory and Trevor um, speaking over the next number of weeks on coming from different angles at it. Um, you know, every 
part of our life, we push through things. We have aspects that we have to go through and things that sometimes we struggle with, things that are easier to f- struggle through. And one day, you know, there was, this, there was this climber and he was climbing a mountain and his rope slipped and he, and he didn't fall straight away, but he, he managed to grab the top of this huge ledge and he's hanging on for his life. And he starts screaming out, help, help. Suddenly there's a voice above him. He says, I've got you. Let go. And the voice, he, he says, who, who is it? And it says, it's God. Trust me and let go. The guy thinks for a minute. Is there anyone else up there? You know, sometimes we are faced with situations where we need to rely on God and everything we want to do is sometimes run from them and go in different areas. Uh, but I've, I've found that there is no safer place than to put our trust in God. No safer place. And I love the story of this leper. You know, leprosy was a huge stigma. Huge stigma. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible illness under Levitical law and that a person uh, determined to be a leper was isolated from everyone. They'd be sent to live outside the city or the, the camp that they were at and live in a, in a desolate kind of area, possibly in caves by themselves. They would uh, they'd have to wear, put on torn clothes and they would have to uh, leave their hair undone. They would have to wear a covering that covered the bottom of their faith face and everywhere they went they'd have to yell out unclean unclean as a warning to others so that people could visually recognize that as a leper and they could also hear this person saying I'm unclean don't come near me you might catch it or that was the thought what a terrible situation what a terrible stigma to live under you know people would have looked at him with fear and and disgust. He wouldn't have got Christmas cards. He wouldn't have been invited to decorate a Christmas tree later today, do any of that fun stuff. But I love the fact that Jesus comes into his life. He heard that Jesus was coming by and he knew that Jesus had something to offer, a solution. There was no hope for him. There was no magic bullet. There was no cure. But Jesus was coming by and he had heard of the great stuff that Jesus was doing. And Jesus just might be able to do it in his life as well. And this response from Jesus really uh, is a really great response. It really tells you something about the character of Jesus. The fact that this man said, you know, if, if, if it's, you know, I, you can heal me. If, if you want to. And it really upset Jesus clearly because he wanted to. And the fact that this guy even made the statement like, if you want to, what do you mean if I want to? Of course I want to, was basically Jesus' response. There, there's no other option than I want to heal you. I want to make you whole. I want to do something great in your life. 
And so it's a beautiful story of the compassion of Jesus and the fact that God is concerned about every situation in our life. We can take that out and we can, we can learn some stuff about ourselves, our own situations based on that. The fact that when things aren't going well in our lives, God wants to intervene. God wants to make us whole. God wants to bring resolution in that situation. God wants to help us to get through situations in our life. Isn't that good? You know, I don't, I don't know all your situations. We all have different situations. We all travel through different aspects of life, and we have different things going on in different worlds. And, you know, some of us here may, may have a job situation that, that we're struggling through. You may have a marriage that, that, you know, is not going so well. You may have friendships that aren't going so well at the moment. Or you may be in a family where things aren't going very well. You may have people in your life, uh, people in your life that uh, you struggle to forgive. You've been trying to forgive them, but you're struggling to forgive them and you can't get through. God wants to help you in these areas. God wants to do a great work in these areas and he can. It's not easy. It'd be easy to say, oh, God can just, you know, you buy this bottle of this and take three in the morning, three in the afternoon, and everything, will, you'll wake up and everything will be different tomorrow. No, God will journey through you to bring relief in areas. And some areas, God gives us a grace to actually journey through those areas, and he travels through us, through those areas, uh, with those areas. But I found there's three areas in my life that I've needed to look at and consider in journeying through situations like this and pushing through glass ceilings in my, in my world and my life. And the first is my self-image, which for us is our self-image. You know, the way, the way we see ourselves, the way we see ourselves, how do you see yourself? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Who do you see? Do you see, do you see someone that God thinks is incredibly precious? Do you see someone that God has taken great time to construct, delicately knit together in the womb? Or do you see someone different? The second one is self-belief. What's your self-belief like? You know, our self-belief, we need to believe what God believes about us. We need to look at situations through God's lens. Because the way we see ourselves and the way we believe about what we believe about ourselves affects the third thing, which is our self-talk. How do we how do you talk about yourself? If you were to verbalize yourself today, what would you say about yourself? You know, I was talking about canoeing earlier, and, and I think I might have told this story before, but my friends all um, applied to uh, go to the Commonwealths, and, and uh, they all got accepted, and they said to me, have you applied? Have you put an application? And I, was, and I said, no. And they said, why not? You're good enough. 
And you know what? I just didn't realise. I just didn't know I was good enough. So I didn't put an application in because I just didn't, didn't think I was there. Now, it wasn't, wasn't that I was being down on myself. I was just oblivious to how good I was and they saw something that I didn't see. I, I, I thought I was still a lot further back. Um, but how we see ourselves, how we talk about ourselves. My talk wasn't, wasn't bad. I wasn't down on myself. I was just on the road to learning. I was just trying to learn everything I could. But I could have been. I could have said, oh, you know, I'm not good enough, you know. I'll never be good enough. But I realised that, you know, I might not have been good enough, but I could get better. But what are you saying about yourself? What do you say about yourself? You know, how do you talk to yourself in your head? What do you say about yourself? Do you think, do you look at yourself in the mirror and think, you know, you're God's child, designed by God, loved by God, adopted by God? Or do you say something else? Because the way we speak to ourselves determines so much more about ourselves that kind of reinforces. I mean, this becomes a, a reinforcing kind of cycle, doesn't it? If we think badly about ourselves and we see ourselves badly and we talk about ourselves badly, then it reinforces everything else and it gets worse. Uh, worse. <laughs> worse. Gets worse. Yeah. So we need to actually have a new way of thinking about it. Sometimes we need to get rid of the old way of thinking. And the Bible says about put off the old way of thinking. You know, put on, put on the new man, the new man. If you've given your life to Jesus, the Bible says you're a new person. A new person. Isn't that cool? So you can look at the mirror and you might think, well... You could lose a few kilos. I mean, I do. I honestly do. I look at the mirror and I think, you could do with a bit of, a few runs, buddy. Um, but I also recognize that I'm a new person in Christ, you know. And God is doing something great in my life and has done something great in my life and will do something great in my life. It's a never-ending work, isn't it? We were saved, we are saved, and we are being saved God never stops. He never sleeps. He's always working. You know, we can only break through glass ceilings that hold us back with God on our side. The only way is through God. And so I want to read some scripture out because one of the best ways to change our mindset is actually scripture. It's not a motivational talk, although to be honest, I've had them in the past and they've been very helpful in areas. But the thing that has truly made the difference in my life is Scripture. What God, when I come to believe what God believes about me, when I read it and I accept it and I say, I trust you. You know, I may not have it all together today, but I trust your word. Your word says this, and so I will believe it. So let's listen to some of it. So Psalm Uh, 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. You know, when we take refuge in God, we are blessed. We are blessed. And our paths are blessed as a result. Nahum chapter 1 
Verse 7 says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. So again, when we, when we stop trusting in ourselves and tr- trying to break through in ourselves and we trust in God, He is on our side. He's there. He's working for us. We can be a refuge. He's a safe place to run and hide in. If you don't know where to go, go to God. Isaiah 40 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Are you feeling weak today? It says, here, here, it'll increase your power. You can, you can trust in God. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hope and a future. Isn't that good? If you don't feel like you've got hope or a future, God's got one for you. All you've got to do is get in Him and get it. Stay in Him and stay in it. He's got one, whether you feel it or not. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, hounding God, basically he's saying, pester God, God wants to be pestered, and with thanksgiving. See, when we thank God, we're actually acting in faith, aren't we? You know, when I come to God and say, I thank you, God, that you're working this out. Well, I haven't seen it worked out, have I? What am I doing? I'm exercising faith. Thank you, God, that you're working this out. I'm saying, I see by faith you're working this thing out in my life. So we're actually starting to speak faith, which is powerful. Present your request to God, and the peace of God which which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a great scripture that is. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And last two. Matthew chapter 11 says, Are you tired? This is from the message. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? See, religion is all about rules and regulations. It's all about doing things just because. It's not about relationship. God, God hates religion. He wants relationship. Jesus came to get rid of religion and bring in relationship. So anytime you feel like you're having to run around the rat or, you know, get in the rat wheel thing and, and just run because, that's religion. Jesus wants relationship. God wants relationship. Holy Spirit wants relationship with you day by day. He wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to tell you about the stuff that's going on in your world. He wants you to talk to him and ask his opinion on stuff and just sit and listen to him. Some of the best times I have with the Holy Spirit are where I actually shut up and stop talking and just sit quietly and just listen my best times. I actually don't talk a huge amount when I'm praying because I'm trying to listen. Burned out on religion. Come with me. Get away with me and you'll 
recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest, a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound good? Live freely and lightly. You can live freely and lightly in Jesus, in God, in the Holy Spirit. And John chapter 8 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. Isn't that good? So God turned up to the leper. Jesus came to the aid of the leper. And the leper's world was turned upside down. It doesn't say anything about his, about his past, how long he had been uh, isolated, how long he had carried that leprosy, the terrible things that had been done to him as a result. But Jesus came into his world and released him from that. And it's a beautiful picture of what God can do in our lives, as I've said So where does God need to turn up in your situation? Maybe you're doing really well, or maybe you, need, you really need a breakthrough in your life. You know, we're all flawed. We're all broken. And the good side of that is we're all in this together. There's not, I don't stand on stage and say, I've got it all together. I'm just as broken as anyone else. I'm hanging on to God and the top of that cliff, just like that climber, waiting for the voice to say, just let go, I got you. You know, we can all do that, can't we? We need to just let God, let go and let God take over sometimes. And I think that's the key. To breaking through. The biggest breakthroughs in my life are where I stopped trying and I actually learned to live freely and just relax and bring stuff to God and say, I can't do this. It's too hard. It's too big. I don't have the tools or the power. I'm not that powerful, but you are. And I will hide behind you and you take us forward. And that is when I felt the biggest victories in my life. But when I actually said, I'll, I'll just go with you. Can I come in with you? How about I pray? Father, we come to you today, and we're all different. We've all got things going on in our lives they can range from uh, we're feeling great to uh, we'd, we're lucky we even got here this morning. Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll just meet every single person here today. Speak to every single person here today. Comfort every single person here today. Give us the tools. Give us the strategy. Give us 
the love we need to get through and surround us with people that will journey with us. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, we pray that we can be free, live lightly, and focus on you and others and live as disciples, fully committed to you and working out your plan, changing other people's lives. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Just as we keep our heads bowed and that, you know, I've been talking about breaking through stuff and, you know, the last scripture that I read was 1 John chapter 5 and it's who has the son has life. Who doesn't have the son does not have life. And I'm conscious that, you know, not all of us may be in the same place. Some, some of us may not have given our lives to Christ. Maybe you've been sitting here this morning and, and you've been, things have been going off in your heart that you need relief. And you need something to break through. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus. Maybe you haven't given your life into God's hands. But I want to give you that opportunity this morning to actually put Jesus first in your life. You see, these promises, we really only fully get them when we actually engage with God and we give ourselves over to God fully. These are promises for His children. And if we haven't become one of His children, although He still loves us dearly in that, we can hamper things. So I want to give you an opportunity today To give your life to Jesus, the one who, in God, in the Holy Spirit, designed you, thought of you, knit you together, and believe it or not, has been with you, watching you, travelling through with you all the way, whether you recognise it or not. So if anyone wants to give their life to Jesus, how about you lift your hand up now and I'll pray.